1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Inside Boxing Live. I am your host, Dan Kenobia, and we are back in a very big way. It's the heavyweight division that is dominating the headlines in the sport of boxing as Tyson Fury signs a massive deal with ESPN and Top Rank kind of shaking up the heavyweight division, shaking up uh, the boxing world, joining us on the show today. Sports Illustrated's Chris Maddox also works for Zone, so he is in the know. He'll give us some information on Deontay Wilder, on Jarrell Big Baby Miller, on Anthony Joshua, on Tyson. Tyson Fury, and uh, some insights on where these uh, fighters uh, can all go right now. Because it's a merry-go-round. It's a merry-go-round of attention uh, for these heavyweights. And right now, it's Tyson Fury's time to shine. You know, a few weeks ago... It was Deontay Wilders after that fight uh, with with Tyson Fury after the draw. He went on that wild press tour. So right now in the heavyweight division, it's all about Tyson Fury. It's all about Anthony Joshua as he gets ready uh, for Jarrell Miller. So we'll talk to SI.com's Chris Mannix to get his thoughts on everything that's going on in the heavyweight division. Also joining us on the program, he is a former two-division world champ. And you can catch him on ESPN, one of the best emerging broadcasters in the business right now. He is the Desert Storm Tim Bradley he'll join us to get kind of in the mindset of a fighter and the reason I wanted to have Tim on this show he signed with Top Rank he worked closely with Bob Arum he knows what Bob Arum and that Top Rank machine uh, can do for a fighter getting those money getting that money getting, and maximizing it also you know We can't talk, not talk about Triple G, as it looks like he's close to finally signing on the dotted line uh, with DAZN. So a lot, a lot, a lot going on in the world of boxing. We'll talk to Chris Mannix, we'll talk to Tim Bradley, and we'll do an, also a, a new in case you missed it as well. Coming up next, it's the interview section of the show. Our next interview on Inside Boxing Live is brought to you by Jack Doyle's Restaurant and Bar. Jack Doyle's Restaurant and Bar located just a few steps away from Madison Square Garden and Times Square. Go into Jack Doyle's for all your entertainment needs. From happy hours to birthday parties to private events, Jack Doyle's has you covered. Once again, that's Jack Doyle's Restaurant and Bar located on 240 West 35th Street. Our next guest, you can catch him on The Zone as well as see his stuff on SportsIllustrated.com. He is the one and only Chris Mannix, and he joins us right now to talk about a lot of rumors in the sport, a lot of speculation swirling around the world of boxing. So let's start with this, uh, this Triple G news, Chris. Uh, are we closer? Another report that came out over the weekend. Are we closer to seeing Triple G finally sign on that data line? And it w- looks like it will be with The Zone. Yeah,
0: I think we're we're very close to that happening. Um, they, they've been, I would say, closing in on an agreement for the better part of the last month. Um, you know, they've got the financials pretty well nailed down when it comes to Golovkin. One thing that I was told is that they've been still trying to work through is how Golovkin wants to handle his promotional company in the future. Now, he's got one of those typical boutique promotional outfits and GGG promotions uh, I don't even think they have a fighter signed to it uh, at this point, but I do believe he wants to grow it and, you know, become some kind of legit promoter. And to do that, you need dates on the uh, zone. So I think he's going to get that uh, moving forward. The other part of it too, and and, and I'm not sure how exactly the zone's going to handle this, but one thing Golovka has been talking a lot about in the meetings he's had with them has been kind of the future of Kazakh boxing. Hmm. I think he'd like, Dazone to play a role in growing boxing in Kazakhstan. Again, I'm not exactly sure how that would work, but he has been very vocal about, you know, his legacy and, and being part of the growth of boxing in his native country.
1: Well, that makes sense because you know DeZone has this this worldwide, you know, footprint where it's not just here in the US, at least with boxing. You know, overseas they have all these other rights to sports. So I can kind of see where he's coming from. But when you bring up the triple G promotions you know, you didn't bring up Tom loffler and and K two. Is he a part of this? I mean, there's so many rumors right now about whether he's part of this deal. Are you, uh, from your understanding, is Tom Lawler a part of Triple G's camp anymore?
0: I, look, Tom loffler has not been a part of these negotiations. They have been done within the the inner circle of Gennady Golovkin, um, you know, mainly his family and and a couple of other people. I do think, though, that once this deal is finalized, you know Tom Loeffler will be a part of it in some way. Um, you know, somebody has to promote these fights, uh, right. and if it's not Eddie Hearn, if it's not Oscar De La Hoya, you know, Laughlin's proven that he can promote Gennady Golovkin fights and promote them uh, at a pretty high level. I mean, we know what he's done at Madison Square Garden. You know, coming off the last two uh, uh, Canelo fights, so there's a familiarity there that I think uh, that Golovkin. Would like that 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 part of the relationship to continue, but it, it's it may not be. I wouldn't compare it to what you know Lou DiBella and Tom Brown, some of the other promoters do with some of the PBC guys, but it's probably something closer to that than a normal fighter-promoter relationship.
1: All right, so the fights now for Triple G. Obviously, uh, Canelo this third fight has to be a big part of this deal. And it makes you think, you know, like he's getting this equity. We'll talk about that in a second. This, you know, that's part of this deal, you know, allegedly. Uh, and, you know, Canelo got the $365 million. You know, will there be forces that say you guys have to fight in September, you know, in order to get the subs- subscriptions up, in order to, to make their money back on these massive payouts? Will we see uh, Canelo, Triple G in September because of those reasons?
0: Oh, I think that's uh, virtual certainty if um, if this Golovkin deal gets finalized in the next couple of days. Um I, I wouldn't expect Golovkin in with anybody tough in his first fight back, you know, whether it's in April or mid May, but uh, you know, come September I think it's it's full steam ahead for a third fight between Golovkin and, and Canelo. Look, they're they're paying these two and they will be paying Golovkin most likely and certainly paying Canelo an extraordinarily amount of high amount of money. I mean it is bonkers kind of how much money the zone is handing out to uh to secure these big fights to their credit they're doing it to make sure they get big fights at a a a cheap rate for people to see uh, in the u.s and i give a lot of credit for that but there's no question you know the 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 second fight for Gennady golovkin if this deal all comes together, it will be for Canelo.
1: Well, that's good. That's good for Five fans. That's I think Five fans will be happy uh, to hear that. But if you think about it, though, with the Zone, they have three of the biggest stars right now. You have Anthony Joshua, they have Canelo, and if this deal uh, comes through, uh, they'll have a Triple G as well. This equity deal, this equity part about it, is kind of funny because you know if it's true, uh, maybe uh, uh, Golovkin is technically uh, your boss at the Zone. So you got to write you know very carefully about him. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean I, I don't know anything about the the equity side of it. Yeah. Uh, I don't even know what that means. I know who cares? I, I would be skeptical that that Dezone and the ownership group there is going to give him a, you know, percentage of the company. I don't I don't see if they weren't going to give that to Canelo, I don't know why they give it to Gennady Golovkin. But yeah. again, th- there's a lot of, of variables as you mentioned there, you know, Dezone is global, um, you know, maybe it is has something to do with what they do on a global scale rather than the US. Again, maybe it has something to do with guaranteed fight dates i mean he's getting something more than just paydays out of this deal or we'll get something more just paydays out of this deal uh, once it comes together uh i am just skeptical that a percentage of the company is going to be part of it
1: on to some more speculation let's go over to the heavyweight side of things obviously tyson fury made some huge news over the past week signing with espn and top rank which surprised a lot of people now i'm get right to it Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury happens when and on what platform, in your uh, your opinion?
0: Well, if it happens, I think it happens on ESPN pay-per-view. Um, you know, Wilder's made it clear that he's a free agent. I think there are people at Showtime that would push back a little bit on that, but he certainly does have uh, more flexibility than any of the top guys that are out there right now. So if that fight does happen, when it happens— I think it's ESPN pay per view, but I, I do think that the door right now is wide open for Wilder to be the next guy that the zone goes after, and I think they will, and and are really uh, preparing to go after him, at on a, a full scale. I mean, we know what they have; they've got Anthony Joshua sitting there. You know, we you know he's a heavy favorite coming into that fight with Jarrell Miller. If he comes out of that fight unscathed, there's going to be another push to have a, a unification fight with Deontay Wilder. These guys. There's only so much these two can talk before people get really frustrated at the lack of making a fight. And, you know, if is willing to spend, as we know, uh, I think they're going to come pretty hard at Deontay Wilder, wow. with a multi-fight type of deal that um, that sets up a potential Joshua fight, either late this year. Or early in 2020
1: yeah because you figure when when deontay wilder said i'm a free agent you think that just you know all the executives all over the place whether it's at espn the uh, zone i didn't even think about the zone they must have been like whoa wait a second you know he's a free agent let's let's throw some money at him right
0: yeah and look i mean espn's got a lot of money and they can make a significant offer no question but the reality is that you know the zone's willing to go deeper into their pocket than anybody else it's simple as that and if if you know, Wilder truly is a free agent, and if he's willing to kind of, you know, I don't even think he has to cut ties with Al Heyman or with with anybody within his group because that's not how really how the zone operates. I mean, as we know, there's almost you know separate leagues going on inside the zone. You've got Eddie Hearn and what he's doing with Matchroom. You've got Golden Boy, Oscar De La Hoya. Now they coexist, obviously in a in a good way, but um, you know they're very much separate entities with how they deal with uh, with the zone, and so won't be won't, won't Gennady Golovkin be? He won't be. He's unlikely, I think, to be directly signed with Golden Boy or, right. or with Matchroom. So there, there's there's room for Deontay Wilder to bring his whole team over and, and be part of the zone, which would obviously make it much easier to make you know one, two, maybe three fights with Anthony Joshua down the line.
1: Yeah, it's funny because I'm thinking about Al Heyman and, and you know, I think that the whole boxing Twitterverse lost its mind when Fury uh, signed with ESPN and like, you know, I'm peeling back the onion here and I'm thinking of all these different scenarios and all these different, you know, business side of things. It's crazy how uh, the boxing world works. But I, I started thinking about Al Heyman and how he's in a very tricky spot right now. You know, he's got a star client in, in Deontay Wilder on the precipice of generational money, as, as Wilder said. And, you know, does he do, Al Heyman, does he do what's best for his client? In, in Deontay Wilder and get him that money? Or, you know, does he look out for his his relationships with Fox in his showtime? What do you think about that?
0: Uh, I mean, look, it, I, I don't even think it's an Al Heyman question at this point. It's got to be a Deontay Wilder question. And he's a loyal guy. He's shown that in the past. You know, as much as, P, as, as media members, myself included, have had problems with how Al Heyman's operated over the years, very few fighters have. He's always taken care of his fighters. You have to credit him for that. But Deontay Wilder is now reaching kind of a crossroads. He cannot go back to Showtime or Showtime Pay Per View and just make three to five million dollars, you know, fighting Dominic Brazil. That that just can't happen. Not with the enormous wealth that's out there for him to potentially grab onto right now. I mean, he's he's commented on this publicly as, as much, where he's sort of said, "This is my time to make the money." That time's right now. Yeah. It, it's here. It, it's standing. It's sitting right in front of him. There are probably two pots of gold right in front of him that all he has to do is grab. One with an ESPN label on it and one with a Zone label on it. He can't, out of sheer loyalty, turn around and say, you know, Al, you're, you're taking me to this point. I'm going to stick with you without a clear plan to make him that type of money. He can't say to Showtime, you guys helped build my career, or to Fox, you've been part of my career. He can't say to them... Um, I'm going to stick with you uh, because of all that. That money's going to be gone at some point. Deontay Wilder, we, we kind of look at him as the sort of young young guy. <laughs> right. He's 33 years old. 33. Like, he, his, his career has got a clock attached to it. So I think he's, he's got to grab onto that at some point in the next couple of months and, and make a decision for himself.
1: So if Wilder does go with the zone, where does that leave Tyson Fury in the mix?
0: You know, the, the Fury ESPN signing was really curious to me. Not that I don't uh, understand and appreciate what ESPN brings to the table in terms of exposure, and as much as people like you and I and the, the hardcore boxing audience know exactly who Tyson Fury is, and mm-hmm. Fury's done a tremendous job on his own building up his brand in the U.S. Uh, in, in, in the build-up to this last fight, there's still a lot of people out there that don't know him, and, and being on the ESPN platforms is going to introduce him to a whole new audience. But he's kind of at the point where he should be grabbing on to the most money, and he just made a fight with Deontay Wilder that much more difficult by going over to ESPN. A Anthony Joshua fight is not going to happen as long as uh, Fury's aligned with ESPN and, and Joshua is aligned with Wilder. Mm-hmm. You know, you you can conceivably make a joint pay per view between ESPN and Showtime. You you can't make pay per views with a company like the Zone which has no interest in making Jeez. pay-per-views. Yeah. So th- that's, that's completely off the table. And the other reason it was curious for, for Fury is that we all know kind of his situation. He had a great fight against Deontay Wilder, but he goes in there with like Kubrat Pulev or Oscar Ribas. He could lose. He really could. And if he loses one of those fights, all that money goes off the table. It's right. gone. Yeah. It's, it's not going to come back. So I thought that was a really interesting move. I'm sure in his next fight... Whoever that may be, he's going to make it a high-level amount of money, and he's probably not going to fight anybody too tough. But I wonder if this is going to backfire on him as, as he looks down the road when once all this dust settles, because he might he may be leaving a lot of money on the table.
1: All right, let's go over to the final uh, piece of the heavyweight puzzle, Anthony Joshua. And, uh, and and we got uh, Big Baby Miller, Jerrell Miller getting in there. You know, this one's going to be on the zone. It's going to be on on the on the platform that you work with. Uh, you had them in a studio for some type of face off, and you had Miller storming out. You know, is the animosity real? That's my question. You're in there, you can see it. You know, it, does this do these two hate each other? Is is it real?
0: I don't think it's real from Joshua's perspective. You know, Joshua is kind of perplexed at at Jarell Miller's animosity towards him. He doesn't really understand it. But for Jarrell Miller, he looks at Anthony Joshua like a guy who's had everything kind of handed to him. I mean, here you have the Olympic gold medalist and, you know, signs with match room and brought up in front of huge crowds in the UK. While he has taken a completely different path from kickboxing, you know, growing up in in, hard scrabble streets and and trying to, to fight for every inch that he's had, now getting his first opportunity. I think Jarrell Miller, you know, look, Jarrell Miller says what he thinks. He thinks he's fake, he thinks he's not a role model, he <laughs> no. thinks he's just not a real tough guy. Um and in that face off that I I that'll come out at some point in the next couple of weeks or months, you know, he, he just he just didn't want to be in the same room with Anthony Joshua. He just couldn't stand the smug look on Joshua's face and you know he just wanted a, a piece of him right then and there. So it, to answer your question, Joshua I, I think he's indifferent to Jarrell Miller. I think Jarrell Miller really strongly dislikes Anthony Joshua.
1: Well, you're an East Coast guy. More importantly with this question here is who's the better freestyle rapper?
0: <laughs> you know, I didn't hear Miller's freestyle. Josh was-
1: I'd keep his day job <laughs> Yo Joshua I listened to it The first time I was like Yo he, this is this is bad But the second time It kind of grew on me A little bit Joshua's It wasn't terrible Because I really feel Like it was off the cuff Miller's I felt like He All wrote right, well, it, there, There's there's the bar then
0: Wasn't terrible No, no, wasn't no terrible. Yeah, exactly. it wasn't terrible Yeah exactly
1: Wasn't terrible for a fighter But Miller's I felt like He wrote it the night before Because he came in And like he was too comfortable And I never heard him rap before And he just came out And spit like Like he was on For like five minutes straight And it like made sense And it was really good and, like, So it let me believe That like Miller maybe like prepared for this?
0: Oh it's like it's like any any sport with rap every baller wants to be a rapper every rapper wants to be a baller right. you know, I, I see that in basketball every every uh, every year so uh, I think both those guys should stick with what they do best.
1: <laughs> do a lot of the basketball players not the heavyweights are back do you feel are you getting more questions the questions are transitioning from Mayweather and Pacquiao and more towards the heavyweight picture?
0: Not, not yet I, I think this Joshua fight will go a long way towards Building for that, I think there's awareness of Anthony Joshua, but not, you know, knowledge of him. If that makes any sense, I mean, there's, I think a lot of people will be watching that fight at the Garden. And look, one thing about Jarrell Miller is that he's going to speak this fight into legitimacy. You know, I don't think I think he's a heavy underdog for a reason. I think he's underestimating Joshua's power. Uh, And Joshua, you know, whatever you want to say about him, his resume is vastly superior to that of Jarrell Miller. But Jarrell's going to spend the next two months in front of every interview in that whole fight week just speaking this fight to legitimacy. And I think that's going to go a long way towards drawing more eyeballs to it.
1: Yeah, you need, you need a dance partner. You certainly need two to tango, especially in the boxing world. Chris Max, catch him on The Zone. Check out his work on Sports Illustrated. Thank you so much for, for joining us today. You got him, man. Anytime. Believe it or not, there is some other news going on in the world of boxing outside of Tyson Fury and the heavyweight division. And we'll start off with the World Boxing Super Series and Regis Progray. It looks like Progray uh, gave them his word and said, I will be fighting and I will be moving forward uh, participating in this troubled uh, tournament that has fallen on some some tough times with an investor uh, pulling out. So it looks like Regis Progray is back. He'll be fighting uh, in April 27th, going up against Kill Relic. It is the semi-final match, uh, and this is good for a number of reasons. Uh, there is that small demographic of fans out there, uh, boxing fans, and I'm seeing this more and more when, when you're on Twitter, and, and I get into my mentions, and you see people that are, are rooting for failure. You know, they're rooting for this promoter to, to do poorly, or they're rooting for this network to fail. Or they don't want to see the, the strength of, of the zone. They want to see things fail. I don't understand that. And that was the case with the World Boxing Super Series. You know, this thing had a huge success. In 2018, with the cruiserweights uh, and in the 168-pound division, and we saw great fights. We see the best fighting the best, and that was the main reason that Regis Progré said he was going to stay in the tournament because it's the best fighting the best. He can come out with two belts, and one day fight Jose Ramirez uh, down the line at 140, should he stay uh, at 140. But it's good. It's good for boxing, and most importantly, it's good for Regis Progré, who is now 30 years old and only has 23 professional fights. Uh, in his career he has to fast track his career you know we talked to Lou DiBella uh, on the last episode who is the promoter for for Regis and he said Regis just has to get into the ring he has to fight and this is the best way to do it Uh, so they'll be fighting in the U.S. which is also a great thing I know they're gonna uh, they're gonna pair it up with Donaire and TT that fight's gonna be uh, fire too so I think that's a really good card Uh, it's good news uh, for the boxing world moving forward here Take one step forward, one step back in the world of boxing. Seems like that's been the M.O. for the last couple of years. Anthony Joshua and ESPN had a little snafu uh, over the over last week. It looked like Joshua was set uh, to make a bunch of appearances on ESPN, the worldwide leader in sports. Uh, he was going to hop on first take. Uh, with Max and Stephen A. Smith, he was also going to go on um, Max's new show uh, on ESPN. His back, Max on boxing, kind of make the rounds in Bristol and kind of pump up his his career, pump up the Anthony uh, Joshua versus Jarrell Miller fight. You know, and and uh, ESPN got wind of this and they kind of pulled the plug at the very last second. You know, the night before those Thursday interviews, ESPN was like, "Wait a second, you know, Anthony Joshua is going to come on our network and he's going to be promoting a fight with with Jarrell Miller that's on DAZN." Which now, with the with the uh, um, with ESPN Plus being out there, it's kind of the same exact thing as the Zone. I don't think we're going to do this, which led to more more speculation about why ESPN did this. Did they do this because John Skipper, the former uh, president of ESPN, is now the president of the Zone? Did they not? They want to stick it to John Skipper and, and, and take Anthony Joshua off ESPN, or was it just the fact that they don't want to promote a fight? On the zone on ESPN, you know their reasoning, ESPN's reasoning was that they th- believe that you know we'll have them on later down the road. We'll have them on closer uh, to the fight, but that doesn't make much sense at all because they'd put them on closer to the fight. That would just simply promote the fight even more. So it's you know it's just one thing in boxing that you're seeing here, and uh, this actually made the rounds on just you know not just traditional boxing sites like Boxing Scene or wherever you get your news. You know, you saw it. Uh, Richard Dice, formerly of uh, Sports Illustrated, a media critic who's now with The Athletic. He's the one who kind of broke this story. And you see awful announcing picking it up. And you see other, um, you know, mainstream publications picking up the story because it's juicy. I mean, you got one of the biggest uh, fighters in the world uh, and the biggest sports networks in the world pulling the plug on him. You know, it doesn't make much sense uh, from ESPN side of things. You just invested $100 million in Tyson Fury. You just invested a lot of money in the heavyweight division. You know, why not put Anthony Joshua on ESPN, who could potentially be uh, a dance partner for Tyson Fury. But, like I said, boxing in a nutshell. Keeping with the heavyweight theme, that's been something we've talked about a lot on this show. Alexander Usyk. Beefing up for the heavyweight division as only he can. Uh, there's a picture that resurfaced on the good old Twitter. You know, when Usyk's not dancing, when he's on a vacation, when he's not uh, telling people I am feel, he is eating what looks like it could be anything from an empanada to a Hot Pocket to raw ravioli. I have no idea what he's eating. The hat, too. The hat is, is something, but Wow. I'm trying to figure out what that is. Look, I'm going to say it's an empanada, but I've never seen anyone eat an empanada with a spoon. But then again, Alexander Ustick does whatever the hell he wants. Uh, but, you know, he's going to be a force in the heavyweight division. Everyone's talking about, you know, there's, there's three heavyweights. You know, there's Joshua, there's, there's um, you know, Fury, and there's Wilder. Man, if there's only a fourth guy, You know, people don't really think of Miller as much. Uh, That's up to personal debate. But, you know, there's no fourth guy. There's only a fourth guy in the heavyweight division that can kind of round it out so these guys can all fight each other. Don't forget about Alexander Usyk. You know, the cruiserweight king is heading up to to heavyweight and he's going to fight, looks like he's going to fight Alexander Pavekin sometime in the spring of 2019. And that will be on the zone. But there it is. All your news and notes as we always do here on Inside Boxing Live. This has been In Case You Missed It. Our next interview on Inside Boxing Live is brought to you by Jack Doyle's Restaurant and Bar. Jack Doyle's Restaurant and Bar located just a few steps away from Madison Square Garden and Times Square. Go into Jack Doyle's for all your entertainment needs. From happy hours to birthday parties to private events, Jack Doyle's has you covered. Once again, that's Jack Doyle's Restaurant and Bar located on 240 West 35th Street. Our next guest here at Inside Boxing Live is a former two-division world champ. He is quickly becoming one of the best color analysts in the game. You can catch him on ESPN. Of course, I'm talking about the one and only, the Desert Storm, Mr. Tim Bradley. Tim, how are you doing this afternoon?
2: Man, I'm great, man. Here in California, sunny California, where the rest of the world, over there on the East Coast freezing, man. We in drop tops right now. <laughs> we <What are you laughs> enjoying ch- our sunshine.
1: You trying to rub it in right now? Because we're here in New York. It's got, we have a wind advisory hey. today. We've got sixty degree winds. I almost blew. I almost blew off the expressway trying to get here for this interview. <laughs>
2: <laughs> hey man, I, I was in Minnesota a couple of weeks ago, bro, and it was like twenty something below zero. Yeah, I so saw that. I don't I don't I I'm not trying to rub it in, but I'm just saying I, I was out there not too long ago, so I know what y'all are going through. It's brutal.
1: It's brutal, but you know, the action heating up in the in the boxing world more than ever. I feel like yeah. boxing is just like it's at an all-time high now between the, the fans, you know, getting involved with the fights and, and the fighters, you know, all of these different platforms. And, you know, ESPN Plus now, we got The Zone, you know, the, the big boys like Showtime and ESPN and, and Fox. But the big news over over the last week is coming from your side of the street over on ESPN. Tyson Fury coming over to ESPN, signing a co-promotional deal uh, with, with Top Rank and, and Bob Arum. First of all, how surprised Smart. were you by that? You know, I was kind of
2: surprised when I heard the news, man, you know, because, uh, you know, for the, whole, for the most part, it's like, you know, I know Wilders, Wilders, you know, with, uh, you know, PPC and all of them and whatnot, but, um, you know, a you know, Wilder, I guess the, he tweeted out that, you know, he's going to be a free agent, you know, it, you know, pretty soon or, or the day he tweeted out something, um, about it, I saw it, um. You know, I, I just just thought that like you know they wanted to make this rematch happen. And I was just like, man, why be over here signing with TR? But I think it's a smart move, man. Um, and I'm not saying that only because you know uh, I represent ESPN and TR is you know do you know does the fights you know I do the fights for you know top rank boxing. But I'm saying that because it just makes sense, man. You know, it, you know even to come over here to you know the United States. You want to build the fan base over here, what bigger network to be with than ESPN? I mean, you know, ESPN, you know, can make superstars, you know, instantly, man. You know what I mean? Um, we got that kid, uh, Lopez, Teofimo Lopez, oh, yeah. Yeah. who's, you know, instantly becoming, like, you know, um, you know, everybody's highlight reel and everybody's, you know, um, and everybody's, you know, mirror, you know what I'm saying? Because... You know, this kid is, is looking sensational on his face, and ESPN can just push you and boost you. And, you know, it, it doesn't matter. Whatever sport's on, man, you know, if, they, if ESPN want to push something, you see the little ticker at the bottom of the, you know, we have a basketball game, football game, it don't matter, man. Like, they're constantly pushing and feeding the fans information on what to watch and what's coming up next. And so why not do it, man? Why not come over to the, the baddest? platform in sports period here in the united states so i think it was a smart move on him uh on his part and um you know let's see let's see what wilder does i don't know what wilder's going to do but if he wants that rematch then he's going to have to definitely uh come this way
1: yeah it's interesting it's a really interesting like little situation that's going on right now you bring up the fact that you know it was a smart move from fury from from uh you know just getting visibility. But it's also a smart move for Tyson Fury when it comes to the negotiation table because, you know, when he took this fight with Wilder, no one saw that coming. He kind of did it. He was on that comeback trail. A lot of people thought, you know, he took the fight a little too soon because, you know, he's dropping all that weight. And they kind of, like, put that together really quickly. And maybe he didn't get, you know, every last dollar that was on the table talking about Tyson Fury because there was a lot of question marks about him. But now… He links up with top rank he links up with ESPN you know he doesn't have a belt but suddenly he's got even more leverage when he sits down at the table you've been in those in those negotiations you know at the highest level with Manny Pacquiao but now that Fury has has ESPN behind him has top rank behind him now when he sits down with whether it's Joshua or, or whether it's uh Deontay Wilder he has something at the table too
2: yeah absolutely he definitely has something at the table man and um you know, he's setting himself up, but just trying to position himself to be able to make that big money. You know, I don't know, I don't know if the numbers are right or what I've read or something like that, or something around like four or five million or something like that. He got his last fight, or uh, I'm not sure with the with uh, Wilder, but you know, uh, man, that's like you know Manny Pacquiao type money for me. When I, you know, for Manny Pacquiao, these guys are heavyweights, man, and these guys, you know, he's the, uh, I guess people consider him the lineal champion. You know, what I mean, still today, mm-hmm. you know, because no one's beating them um but you know it's just uh just definitely a marketing tool to be like hey you know i'm over here now guys come on you know you want to face me i'm still undefeated you know i'm undefeated, and um you know fury he has that mouthpiece so he does he can talk and he you know and he definitely is a, an awkward <laughs> very awkward you know um heavyweight out there man the most awkward i've seen in in most recent years um for anybody out there even for joshua super awkward man hard to hit but yeah, now he has leverage. He definitely has leverage, um, you know. And it's going to force if these guys want to face him, it's going to force these guys to, you know, um, come outside of their, you know, their contracts or, or or, or link up or just come with a some kind of deal, you know, with ESPN and uh, just get locked in and get a get a piece of him, you know, um, you know. And he has that name too, so he has a name over there in in Europe as well. And and you know, like I said, if Joshua wants to get some. Gonna to have to do something. He's gonna to have to come this way, um, and especially Wilder. You know how bad badly Wilder wants this fight. Right. You know he's gonna to have to figure out something, you know, to be able to come over here and fight on the ESPN platform. I think it's a smart move, man. I, I honestly do. I don't understand why, why, why the split and why you know this side doing it this way. I mean, we just need to. You know, back boxing back in the days used to be like, yo, like, all right, we're gonna have, we're gonna, we're gonna do, we're gonna do a purse bid. Right. You know, and you know, whatever promoter you know comes up with the most money is the one that's gonna win and win the deal. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then that promoter's gonna have that network or whatever network he affiliates himself with. You know, go ahead and provide it to the fans. So, like, why can't it go back to that, man? Why can't it just go ball down to a purse bid? And where we have the, the best fight, the best. Yeah, you I think know, this one was supposed to go split? to purse bid though. I you think this understand? one
1: still has a potential to go to a purse bid. That's still in all, that's still on the table. At least it's still so complicated. Yeah, that's why should be. It's so complicated, and I know that a lot of the fans were upset um, that Fury did this deal because they think it's just going to complicate things even more. Like you know, this this rematch was supposed to be almost delivered. Like it was, we were expecting a, an announcement yeah, this why, week.
2: But why? why I mean, well, honestly, man. Well, why be mad at Fury because he's trying to put himself in the best? Situation no, I, for him, I get it. I, you know that's what, what I said. I said you and know? it's like the fight fans are mad, be like, oh, you signed with the wrong deal. It's just like with Terrence Crawford re up with with Top Rank. It's like. Yo, like, you know, he's comfortable here. He, you know, he's made a living here. You know, he knows all these people. Like, you know, they gave him the best deal he was happy with. You know, why does he have to go over to the other side or go over to Fox or go over to wherever to make a fight? You know, like, let's go back to the days, back in the old days, man, like I told you. First bid, you know what I mean? What network we gonna go on? All right, well, hey, whoever puts up the most money, they get the show. You know, if Top Rank puts up the most money, ESPN king going to get the show. Mm-hmm. If Fox put up the most money, they're going to get the show or the right. promoter. It doesn't matter, man. Like, let's, let's go back to that, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then go from there. But everybody wants to, ha- you know, have their, you know, have control. And that's the biggest thing. Yeah. Everybody wants control, complete yeah. control of the shows. And that's yeah. the biggest problem.
1: Now, did you have any conversations? Uh I know you're obviously aligned with, with top rank, but you know, talking about now how everyone has to kinda come across the aisle now to make big fights. Do you have any, any conversations with Al Haman and their side? Did you ever think about, you know, man, I would like to fight the likes of uh Floyd Mayweather or Marcus Madonna or someone Yeah, like I that? mean yeah,
2: yeah. I mean I did, man, you know, and, and it was it was more you know, I didn't want to take that gamble with that risk. Like I told you, like I I was affiliated with top rank, you yeah. know, top rank, you know, pretty much made me rich, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, loyalty for me is, is important, you know? Um, and I had an opportunity to go to, you know, with Al Heyman and, and go with that crew, you know, right before, uh, the pack out three fight. Wow. So, um, before that fight was made, I was in Cancun with, you know, uh, with with Todd the Buff, and Todd was like, hey, you thinking, you know, we want to do a three, Bradley pack out three, you know, are you on board, your contract is, you know, ending right now, like, hey, like, you know, you're going to be up with us, like, what are you, what's your plans? And, I, you know, I got a couple of calls from, you know, you know, PBC, not Al Heyman directly, but it's, you know, his right-hand man and stuff, and, you know, they they were trying to, you know, get me to sign and see, you know, they're you giving me a number about, you know, uh, Floyd Mayweather, you know, was interested, you know, this amount of money, this amount of dollars, this and that, and this and that. And I was just like, okay, that sounds cool. But then I thought about it. I was like, well, you know what? Floyd was supposed to fight uh, Amir Khan. And then yeah, we <laughs> saw the what end, happened with he changed that. his mind. Yeah. He reneged. And then Amir Khan was out, you know, was like <laughs> basically begging for the fight. Yeah, And didn't get the fight. And so then get the fight. And I'm like, ah... I'm like, oh, that's not guaranteed. That's not guaranteed money for me. You know what I'm saying? Dude. I'm just like, hey, drop me four million in my account. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The money that they're gonna pay me, I'll sit it out, and then we'll go. We'll, we'll go like that. They, of course, they want nobody gonna drop no money in my account. So I'm like, nah, man. You know what? I'm good. I know my people here at TR. Uh, I've known them for a long time. I work with them. I'm I gonna stay loyal. Like I had an opportunity to jump shit, but I didn't because. Like I said, like you know, I don't know. I don't know everybody from the other side. I don't know everybody from PPC. I don't know everybody from Fox. Right. So I don't it, it would have been you, maybe you would have I got know, the Mayweather thing.
1: fight, but you may have gotten the Mayweather fight. Maybe not. But you know, you felt more comfortable at Top Rank because you know they were promising you the third fight with Pacquiao, which would have been obviously yeah. made a ton of money. So that's what it comes down to. I always, you know, a lot of fans don't think about what goes into the fighters' mindsets when they choose. Uh, to align themselves yeah. with what promoter like Tyson Fury. Why did he do that? I'm, I'm looking on Twitter and I see why did he do that? Why did he do that? You know, first of all, yeah, he just got $100 million, uh, it, you know, not on the spot, but the deal could call for, for that type of money. And maybe he felt comfortable yeah. with top rank. Maybe he felt like, you know, there's all those reasons we just named. So it's really interesting to hear your side of it, you know, and what goes into the thought but- process. Listen,
2: man, to TRTR, TR, man, and I'm not saying this just to say I'm saying this because it's real, man. They are the best promotional company out there, bro. Like, they are truly the best out there, man. Um, and, and, and because they just, they just like, like this deal with ESPN is astronomical, bro. Like, this deal with ESPN is crazy. Like, right. it's not like what PBC did. It's, it's on a whole different level, you know, and their ratings are speaking high. You know, their ratings is, is showing everybody, like, hey, they, hey, TR, ESPN is doing something right. Look at these ratings. It's too you behemoth. Know? They're high. It's too behemoth. And they're putting yeah. on great fights. They're not horrible fights. They're good fights. You know, they're great fights out there, man.
1: Yeah, who are some fights, so, who are some names that you've been seeing along this last couple of year, uh, this year uh, with, with ESPN? You know, that's the thing with, I've seen so far with these fights is... They are exciting fights, you know. You know they're not the biggest yeah. names on paper yet, you know. But you know, in maybe five no. years from now, and you got Shakur Stevenson, you got Tia Fimo, uh you got Jose Ramirez, and you know, there's such a good pipeline right now. Joshua Greer, there's such a good pipeline of fighters. What of these fighters who has impressed you the most so far? These up and comers.
2: Well, you know, definitely Shakur Stevenson. Um, a lot of people, uh, you know, for me, I like him because he doesn't get hit. And and that's the remedy to boxing. That that right there, Floyd Mayweather, you know, has made a living on not getting hit. You know, um, and you know, plus his offense. But Shakur Stevenson, tough guy, to, tough guy to hit. You know, he's slick. He got good punching power. He's kind of grown into himself. You know, uh, he's still growing now and maturing. You know, you see his strength is starting to improve. You see him sitting down on his punches more. You see the, you know, his, his defensive prowess now. The way he. The way he defend against guys, he catch and shoot or react against guys. Now um, He's just got a lot smarter, a lot stronger, and I know this kid can go the distance because he has done some rounds, you know. So I know he can easily go twelve rounds, no problem. He can outbox anybody and go twelve. So I'm looking forward to seeing him. Uh, he kind of reminds me, Shakur kind of reminds me of like an Andre Ward, you know, not not a not a, a you know supreme puncher, but just enough to get gain your respect and be able to control you you know, encounter you enough to gain you respect. And then you got a guy like Lopez who's, you know, kind of remind me of, like, that Camacho, yeah. real cocky, you know, confident, you know, Roy Jones-type flair, you know, um, that brings it, man. He brings the pain. Yeah, and man. everything this young man has said so far, he's he's delivered. Everything he tells me in the fighter meetings, he's delivered. I know, I'm gonna right? Knock him out. Tell him, I'm going to knock him out this round. Is he the best prospect in so, boxing? Um, best prospect right now is he, he could is, be to i mean you know right now as far as the, the one the one that's that's really uh that's really delivering you know like a promoter's dream yeah absolutely yeah. him oh yeah he's the guy right now i don't absolutely. know if he's no even question.
1: considered a prospect anymore i mean he's he's i think he's this last year especially uh, his last fight i think he's gone from from prospect to legit title contender
2: no, I mean, he's, he's now in the top 10, absolutely. And uh, he is definitely in the contender phase now. Uh, you know, he beat a fighter that, you know, only lost in championship fights. Yeah. You know, um, Magdaleno has only been beaten in championship fights. Yeah. And he, you know, obliterated him. And it was no problem. It was easy. And, you know, he's just, Lopez is just a big, freaky, you know, uh, lightweight man. He's big and he's strong. And he's going to, he's growing. And he's going to continue to grow. And I, I don't see him in his weight class that much longer. You know, I, I see him moving up to 140 pounds. And then I think that's when we'll, we'll see how good really Lopez is. 140 pounds different from 135. He's a lot bigger and stronger than these guys. He yeah. has a ton of skill and good speed and, and great eyes and vision. Um, this kid is a talent. I, I just haven't seen, like, I, I keep telling him, I'm like, like, I'm like, okay, his last fight he fought at a very really comfortable pace. You know, Magdaleno didn't have the power to even you know, to even touch him or even move him, you know. And he was very comfortable, and he was hitting him at ease. It was just at will. He was just pop-shotting him from the outside. Every time he made a mistake, You hit him. But, you know, around six, I started seeing a little, you know, he I see him calm down a little bit. And, you know, seven, when he got him out of the east, you know, after the fight, he told me, like, hey, T, I need to work on my conditioning. Wow. And I was like, yeah, you do. Because I know – that he hasn't been past seven rounds. He hasn't been past eight rounds at all. You know, and eight, let's see, nine, 10, 11, 12 dudes, you got to dig deep. I, uh, You know, you got to seriously dig deep, man, because that's the second half, and that's when the fight really starts, and you fade like crazy, <laughs> and you get fatigued, and I want to see him under pressure. That's why I want to see him against a guy like Pedraza, a guy that's been there. Yeah, that'd
1: be a good fight. If he doesn't
2: get Pedraza out early, if he doesn't get Pedraza out there early, and, you know, Prodraza has a chance towards the back end, and I want to see him be touched. I want to see how he reacts and how he responds to that.
1: Yeah, that'd be a good so,
2: fight. Is he the best prospect? Yeah, I think he's the best probably. And he's moving the contender. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But, um, but I just think, like I said, I want to see him against a guy that's just going to push him a little bit more because I want to see what he
1: can deliver,
2: what and, can he choose. And that's another good thing about about
1: back- top rank is is the matchmaking is, is on another level. You know, Bruce Trampler and Phenomenal. Carl Moretti and, and all the, Brad Jacobs, all the, the, the powers that be at top rank really know how to move a fighter along in his career. fighter that's been moved along great at, at top rank is Terrence Crawford. I know uh, you're a very big fan of Terrence Crawford. He's a, I know he's a friend of yours. Yeah. Big fight, April 20th at the Garden, Amir Khan. Man, this one's going to be big. Uh, we know what Crawford can do. He's the heavy favorite in there. What does Amir Khan have to do? What's his path to victory in that fight?
2: No, see the thing is, is that Amir Khan the problem see, this is the thing with Amir Khan. I, I I watch I see I study all these guys. So like Amir Khan, he has he definitely has hand speed. But the problem is is that, you know, when when he uses hand speed, he, he kinda he, he rushes one and he kinda <laughs> he exposes himself. This dude will run in with combinations. Like, that's his thing. His thing is in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out. And he'll run in with combinations. He'll leave himself exposed. He'll leave his chin straight up in the air to be hit with the overhand right. or left hook. Either or. Either or. One you pick. You know, And once he starts throwing those combinations, if you lose something over the top, you're not going to miss that big noggin of his. You're going to hit him either on the chin or high on the head. And, you know, and his chin is not that great. You know, and that's the thing. But I have to tell you this. Because... Amir Khan's been in the game a long time, so he does have experience. Yes, he does have a really good trainer, Virgil Hunter, and these are the type of fights that a fighter needs. Like for me in my career, I needed a fight that's going to get me nervous, that was going to get me right. At this point, at this point in
1: Khan's career, he needs a like a he needs extra motivation.
2: Yeah, you, you, because, dude, I mean, you're waking up, dude. You got cars parked in the driveway, bro. You got, you know, nice linen sheets, you know, silk sheets, and you got beautiful pajamas on, and you got a beautiful <laughs> lady sitting next to you, you know, and you got everything you ever yeah, need. So exactly. you need that inspiration, man. So a fighter like Terrence Crawford is going to boost Amir Khan. I think we're going to see the best Amir Khan that we've, haven't seen in a while a guy that's gonna be completely focused because he knows the task that's at hand against a guy like Terrence Crawford. And he knows that if he beats Terrence Crawford, you know, then He's he the knows K. that he yeah. becomes the man. Yep. You know, and then he can sell off he can sell off and retire and do whatever he wants to do. Mm-hmm. You know, but I, I just think that, you know, timing beat speed, I think Mir Khan would definitely give uh Terrence Crawford fits early on. But, you know, Terrence Crawford's gonna weather the storm. He's going to remain calm, and he's going to pinpoint that shot, and it's going to be over. Was, you know, yeah, I, I'm thinking second half, second yeah.
1: half of the fight. That's a, that's a pretty good um, that's a pretty good uh, window into what that fight will happen. How about Mikey Garcia, Errol Spence? You're a guy that went up, you jumped up to 147 uh, to fight Pacquiao and some of the big guys at, at welterweight. He's jumping two weight big classes jump. here. This is this is a big yeah. thing here. No one is giving Mikey Garcia it, any chance in this fight. Are you giving Mikey Garcia a chance? Man,
2: uh, of course. I mean, you know, you, you, you got to give guys a chance, Guess what? especially a guy that can punch in as smart as Mikey Garcia. The thing is, is that Mikey gets to fight the perfect fight. He really does. And and if he doesn't fight the perfect fight, you know, they, they, that's no problems. And one of the things is, is that Mikey cannot get in a firefight, you know, with a guy like Earl Spence. A lot of guys thinking that, that he should take the fight in the inside. I'm saying, oh, absolutely not. Don't no. take the fight in the inside at all with a guy like Earl Spence. Earl Spence wants you to be inside because he likes to bang you to the body. Big body. Big body he guy. He likes to break you down. Yep. Oh my gosh. He's a vicious body puncher, dude. And yeah. he sits down on all his punches. Yeah. And it's- so keep the fight outside. Make this guy think. You have to make this guy think. If you don't make this guy think, you gotta make him try to fall short, you gotta make him commit. And then you gotta talent punch. And then just subtle movement because because Mikey's not going to move around like a Sugar Ray Leonard, you know. He's not going to move around like that. Just subtle, always being set, and that's Mikey. He's good at that. He's good at controlling range. He'll knock the jab down. He'll take try to take that jab away from Spence, you know. And he's going to look for Spence to load up with a straight left hand or something like that, and and then try to counter him. That's what he needs to do all night going with. He needs to do that all night long to fight a perfect fight to beat a guy like Spence because Spence is gonna be there all night. And if he doesn't have that punching power or anything that, that, that can deter or, you know, get Spence to back off and respect him, dude, he's gonna get pounded. I mean pounded. Spence is gonna keep his hands up and he's gonna let him punch, punch and he's gonna just break him yeah, down walk him to the down. body and yeah. just bulldoze at him. You know. So it just it just depends on like I told you, it depends on if he can carry his power up. And it also depends on if he can control that distance outside because he he has no business fighting him inside, man, at all. And if he does that, then he has a good chance. But other than that, I don't – it's going to be a tough match, man. I hear you, man. I hear you.
1: Tim Bradley, one of the best broadcasters in the game – I think potential trainer. I can see you being a trainer one day, man. You know your stuff, and you're doing a great job on ESPN. Thank you so much for joining us here Thanks, on Inside Boxing Live, and uh, we'll be we'll catch you ringside. That's a wrap for another edition of Inside Boxing Live. Of course, we have to thank our guests for for joining us here on the show. Sports Illustrated slash Dazones, Chris Maddox. He was awesome and some great insights, of course. From the one and only Desert Storm, Tim Bradley, uh, special thanks out to them. As for this week, I'm headed down to Columbus, Ohio, to the Arnold Festival. It's time for some more Broadway boxing. I'll be calling the action alongside Corey Erdman, and we're going to have a great time. we got some, a lot of stuff planned for that as well. I'll be heading to the Hard Rock this week, too, in New York City for the Canelo uh, Alvarez-Danny Jacobs press conference. You can see those interviews on uh, YouTube. Also, if you want to watch some boxing this weekend, over at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, we got an all-Cuban card between uh, Arizanda Lara and the Big Boy, the King Kong, Luis Ortiz. We'll see you next week. There's another edition of Inside Boxing Live.